Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 65 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, host of this show and admin for the Baseball 365 Facebook group. Come join our group if you haven't done so yet. And you can hear us talk about baseball and many others. A lot of interaction going on every day. There's people talking about baseball, fantasy baseball, maybe their dynasty leagues. All kinds of good conversations going on. You can follow us on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can also follow myself at JustinHughes365 and Andrew at AMCQ82. Andrew's been posting on Twitter a lot more recently as he's going through this TGFBI draft. He's been talking a lot about his draft going on, so go give him a follow if you haven't done so yet. And on this episode, it's part two of the first-year player draft rankings, the ADPs from all of the drafts that we, either Andrew or I took it, partook in, or a couple other leagues that he got draft rankings or draft info from after the fact that they sent so Andrew could put it on his spreadsheet. If you have not listened to part one, Go open your podcast player and go listen to that first. I would highly recommend it. And then tune back into us. There's a lot of good conversation coming up ahead. So enjoy. Okay, we'll come back with number 11. That would be Robert Prasan. Shortstop for the Oakland A's at a 13 overall ADP on your list. Andrew Poisson was given a big signing bonus in the J2 class. Looking at the notes you provided, it was the same amount that Dominguez received. And his stock has continued dropping in fantasy over the fall and winter. So why has that been happening? Uh, I don't think it's really dropped too much as, as much as it has just other guys moving up. Uh, I do think he has a lot of upside. I think that some of the questions with Poisson, at least that I have, I've heard others express concern with, is just his hit tool and how quickly he will develop. I mean, the kid is 17, 16 or 17. I think he's 17 now. When you're 17 and your hit tool isn't working you're so far away that, I mean, it could get really frustrating, you know, if, if he doesn't come out hot. I mean, a lot of times it, I like as much as anybody, and we're about to get to, get to a couple of them, the, rostering the uber young kids that have the ceiling. But they also kind of need to move forward quickly in that first year or they can, you know, disappear a little bit. And I. I'm not saying that'll happen with Poisson. I mean, he could be totally fine. He's definitely tooled up. Uh, switch hitter, wiry, projectable frame. You can dream on it. Just kind of has a long swing, you know. And I think long term, like if we were sitting here 10 years from now, he could be the best player on this whole entire list. I mean, he has tons of upside. But I think short term, it could be a little frustrating if he doesn't kind of take off this year. And that's my biggest concern with him. I, I do have him right about this spot, though, because I do uh, I do get the upside. Um, the lists I look at, 
they don't talk much about like a standout like 60 grade tool anywhere and but he does have when you look at him there are a lot of 50 pluses in there to where he seems like he's a well-rounded player who question is will will any of those turn into a great tool okay uh number 12 we got josh jung young however you say it the third for the texas young yeah yeah young i think yeah I thought they did not pronounce the J on this. Uh, third baseman for the Rangers, 14 overall. Uh, developed college bat with the Rangers that they took in the first round. But he has some question marks around him. Andrew, share with the listeners what the question marks are and whether you share those concerns. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's hit over power. So the, you know, it just kind of comes down to how much the power is going to develop. He was the eighth overall pick out of Texas Tech. A little bit of a split camp on his defense, which isn't huge for fantasy, but could wind up uh, could wind up moving across the diamond at some point. I don't think that's a big deal right now. Probably this year he starts at low A or high A, uh, plus arm. So that should help him stick at third. Could get to double A by the end of the year. I just I just think he needs to develop the power. It's not going to work. I kind of am not real big on prospects when they are like already corner infielders as prospects, and it, it really just because there's so much pressure on his bat, on the bat, you know, like this guy, and there's other ones too, like we've mentioned with Blade, and there's another one I think of too that we'll get to. Uh, they just they absolutely have to hit, and I think. Young probably will, but if he doesn't really, really hit, then it's going to hurt him. You know, it's kind of one of those things where the hit and the power have to come together. You're not getting speed. So if you're only getting one of those two, like pretty much if the power doesn't develop because it's a little bit behind the the hit tool, then it's just not that valuable long term. You know, I think he's probably fine. I mean, he went as high as eight in one of the drafts. I actually meant to mentioned when we talked about Poisson, Poisson went as high as six and as low as 25. So Man, definitely, that's a range. definitely, a, yeah, definitely a wide variance there, but yeah, I think Young's probably fine. He's relatively safe. He just has to hit. So, yeah, I think he's got a real good shot of being a major leaguer, making it to the major leagues, very high percentage chance of that. And I don't think the percentage chance is real high of him being a impact fantasy bat. So, yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. All right, number 13, Luis Rodriguez, the out, outfielder for the Dodgers, 14.57 overall. And, Andrew, here's a J2 guy I know you have a lot of thoughts on. I'll save my breath. Just go. Yeah, so this is definitely one of my guys from uh, this draft class or – first-year player draft class, I guess you could say. If we would have done these drafts in November, he would have been my number one target. Uh, He wound up being my number two target. But, yeah, he's one of the most complete players in the class. Um, 60-hit tool, average power, probably can grow into more. Good body, 6'2", 175, so it's projectable. Smooth swing, athletic. And just blends all of that with an ability to hit and hit for power. Uh, speed, he might lose a little bit of speed as he fills out, but he could still be an average runner. And 
he just has huge potential. I mean, he is far away. Dodgers are great at developing guys like this. And I just think that he could really, really take off. And I think he has a chance to hold some of his speed. Right now he's an above average speed guy. And like I said, that could change down the line, but uh, I watched a lot of video on him over in Venezuela. I don't know if you've seen any of it on online. It's kind of all over the place, but he's just got like a real smooth, sweet stroke. I, when I looked at it and I'm not like a, a guy that really analyzes that type of stuff, but I, I kind of saw Manny Machado's swing when I just watched it. It was just real simple to the ball, crushing the balls out, you know, of whatever field in Venezuela they were at, you know. But, um, yeah, I really like him a lot. I actually, he was nine on my board. So definitely like him higher than this. Well, you answered a few of my questions, said a couple things that I'm glad you said. Um, I was going to ask where you had him. But also the fact that he's a Dodger and just having so much faith in that organization to where that if you like a player and you know they're in an organization, you've just got a lot of trust in that they develop and turn thing turn everything into gold, it seems like. That does that you can't take that as a bad thing by any means. And you mentioned the Machado, and I haven't seen the swing, but I remember reading about him this winter and the the word I saw was uppercut swing. And just everything else I was reading, I was like, hmm, uppercut swing. That Immediately, that took me, made me think of his teammate Bellinger. Not saying he's Bellinger. That was just kind of the comp that came to mind when I was reading about it as compared to seeing it. But yeah. I thought I was being aggressive. I think on my personal ranks, I had him at 10 or 11, and I thought, man, I'm being aggressive on Luis Rodriguez. Come to find out, you were even higher on him, having him at 9. Where- yeah, I... I had him ahead of Pena by one. I had him at nine and Pena at 10. And I am certain that that's the minority and that's fine. I mean, I, I mean, I have no arguments again. It's not any slight on Pena. It's just how high I am on Rodriguez. He actually went as high as seven in, uh, in these drafts and as low as 34. So another wide range. Some of these guys, I feel like, they were under the radar enough. I remember seeing, you know, back in November when I was talking about like how he was my main target, a few of the lists I saw, I had him in the twenties. And I just remember thinking like, that's going to be the guy that I go after. And of course, as we got closer to drafts, he was moving up, 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 up. And I was just like, come on, you know, like, why couldn't we have had stop? (laughs) Yeah. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I think he's a guy that definitely could uh, take off this year and really, really move up the charts. You know your stuff. So whenever I saw that you had him higher than me, but I was at least in the ballpark, it made me feel good. I was like, man, this uh, Andrew, I know, spends a lot more time doing research than I do. And the fact that I was that close, it made me feel good because I just know you know your stuff, and for me to have been that close on him and another one we'll get to here in a bit, I was like, all right. I'm, I was at least – I had the same – I had a similar thought. All right. Well, number 14, we got Greg Jones, the speedy shortstop for the Tampa Bay Rays, 15 overall. Prototypical burner here, but the question is, can he hit? If he does, 
he can be a star, and if he doesn't, he can be a utility player. How do you feel about Jones? Uh, I like Jones. This is about where I had him. 80-grade runner, uh, fastest guy in the class, along with uh, with C.J. Abrams. Some questions about the uh, the quality of the competition he played in college. He played at UNC Wilmington, so I've just heard some concerns about that. But came out last year in the New York Penn League and hit four thir- or had a four thirteen OBP with nineteen steals in forty eight games. So really impressive for fantasy. He'd definitely be lower on a on a real life list. Uh, just not. I mean, really, what you're getting with Jones is the crazy speed kind of reminds me a little bit of Xavier Edwards, but I think he's got a little more pop than Xavier Edwards does. Like I said, he'd be lower on a real life list, but the speed plays. So you've got to pretty much draft him in this area, I think. And uh, there was a point this off season where he was, it was brief, but there was definitely a point this off season where I was considering getting aggressive on him and just wound up finding a, few other guys i like more but i definitely like jones do you find it was a negative that he's in tampa because i kind of do just because they're so terrible at platooning guys and not giving guys full-time roles and unless you're a superstar named wander franco they're going to be slow moving you up do you take that into account at all not really it it may be to my detriment but a lot of times with these guys like especially when they're not right on the doorstep. I'm just thinking about the player. I'm not thinking about the team. Like I've heard some people that I consider smart mention that Luciano is going to have to hit. And I'm not trying to make this about Luciano. I know I make everything about him, but, (laughs) but I just, I'm just saying that, that he's going to have to hit in, in giants park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I just don't even think about that at all. Maybe I will when he's like right there, you know, ready to come up. But I mean, all I'm thinking about with these guys is just their skill set, what they do, because there's a lot of it is uh, a lot of its currency, you know, and just value in your league. It, it's it's like just as important, if not more important than what actually happens when they get to the big leagues. So, no, I don't. I just don't think about that stuff, to be honest. And maybe that's wrong, but just kind of the way that I way that I feel about it. Yeah, that's fair, and that's a good point about Lucia. I mean, these guys are still going to have a lot of value regardless as they're coming up through the minors. To where, yeah, you can worry about that once they get close. If you if it's starting to look like a real thing. Yeah, it's like okay. Could, it's it's like you could love a Rockies pros- hitting prospect, but if he can't hit, then what does it matter if he's going to hit in course because he isn't going to get there? You know, mm-hmm. it's just I just don't think that stuff really matters until maybe until they're in Double A, Triple A, and they're right about to come up. Then maybe you start thinking about it. But they could also right. they could also get they could also get traded. So that's just another thing. But yeah. Okay. And number 15, we got Nick Lodolo, the first pitcher off the board for the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, Andrew, is he your number one pitcher in this draft? Uh, No, he's my number two. 
Pirates drafted him actually 41st overall out of high school, but he didn't sign, went to TCU instead. 11.4 Ks per nine in 2019 as a junior, and then the Reds took him seventh overall. Three-pitch mix, big guy, 6'6", 200. Uh, should be a durable mid-rotation starter with maybe the upside for a little bit more. Nice, well, uh, well-rounded pitcher that should definitely be a starter. So I like him. He'd be my second guy. Okay. Well, I guess we'll see where, whenever we get to your number one, who you'd have first. But number 16, I know, is your other guy you're a big fan of, and that would be Maximo Acosta, the shortstop for the Texas Rangers. And much, I know you're higher than his ADP on this list. Where was he on your own ranks? And tell us a little about him. Yeah, so this one is in this spot pretty much because of me and maybe a couple others. I know there's a couple other people out there that were really high on him. Uh, I have him eight on my board, or I had him eight on my board. There was actually a, a draft where I was at nine and Riley Green and him were there. And I just, I didn't feel like it was necessary to draft him ahead of Riley Green. So I traded down three spots and picked up a fourth round pick and wound up getting him at 12. So was happy about that. I just, I could just kind of feel the pulse of who was left and who was between us. And I was like, I don't think he's going to go. So I got him. Uh, but yeah, this is this is my guy in this entire draft for sure. Well-rounded skill set, short, fluid swing, recognizes spin. He's 17. Uh, intriguing blend of the ability to hit, run, and grow into some power. He's from the same hometown as Glaber Torres, so naturally has drawn some comps. Uh, some of that is body him. Glaber Torres and Gene Segura, body comps. So he, he could move to second base, kind of a thick lower half. Um, but, yeah, I just I like the ability here across the board. Uh, one guy that I think everyone should be paying attention to is Ben Badler, who does the – he does the international work for Baseball America. And when you're reading stuff about prospects – especially these J2 guys in the offseason, the brand-new J2 guys that haven't come over yet, a lot of what you're reading is people that are reading what Ben Badler is putting out. And he does all of that for them, and he absolutely loves him, loves him more than Robert Poisson, more well-rounded skill set, stuff like that, and just better, uh, better hit tool at this, at this point in time. Uh, I was looking at some of the tool grades in Baseball America and just found this interesting. And this will kind of give you an idea of why I love them so much. These are the prospects in all of baseball with a 60-grade hit tool, a 60-grade run tool, you know, 60-grade speed, and 55 power. So plus hit tool plus runner, and above-average power. These are the prospects in all of baseball that have those grades per Baseball America. Joe Adele, you heard of him? Yeah, once or twice. Uh, Yeah, he's kind of (laughs) good. Joe Adele, 
Gavin Lux. I know you've heard of Gavin Lux. Yes. I saw J- him actually two years ago. Jason Dominguez. CJ Yep, Abrams, heard of him. CJ Abrams, Noel V. Marte, and Maximo Acosta. That's the list. That's a lot of helium right there on that list. So, <laughs> That's what I'll say. Yeah. And a lot of, and you know, I said this last year with with Luciano, it was kind of the same mindset. And to be clear, I don't think Maximo Acosta is Luciano. I don't. I think that at this point, that is, um, that's probably a pipe dream. But I do think that there could be similar type helium developing with this guy. It kind of already is because of, a lot of the reports since he signed, there's there are some spots where you will see him listed at like five nine one forty five, and then there are some where you will see him listed at six one one seventy. It's because he hit a growth spurt since he signed, and some of them are just outdated. So don't pay attention to the five nine one forty five or whatever it is. It's it's the higher one because he hit the growth spurt. So a lot of it, like I've said it a million times, it's perceived value. It's, you know, these guys, these kids, they take off. I mean, it's it's similar to Jason Dominguez, and he's not the level of prospect that Jason Dominguez is, but it's the same idea, you know? And the helium, whatever you think of it, it matters. It matters in trade talks. It matters in all that stuff within your league. And, yeah, I just – I really, really like his – across the board skill set combined with what I think he can do this season to enhance his value even more. I think next year he will be kind of viewed like Noel V. Marte is viewed now, which is, you know, like a top 25 to 50 prospect, depending on where you look, you know, I, I could definitely see him getting into that range. So, I think it's probably a little unrealistic to expect more, but yeah, I, I think this kid's going to take off. Honestly, it kind of, like I said, he kind of already is. People are vaulting him up, vaulting him up every time in the off season. You know, January, early January was kind of when I really, uh, really picked up on it with him. And every time I would hear his name on a podcast, I'm like, it was like a dagger to my heart. I'm just like, oh, don't say his name, don't say his <laughs> name, because I know a lot of the people I'm in leagues with listen to the, a lot of this stuff, you know, and I just didn't want. It uh, it coming out. I wound up getting him in three out of my four leagues, so I was uh, really happy with that. You know, in our league, I picked ninth, and as I was looking at ranks, I think I had him at the end. I was as as I made my ranks for that draft, I had him in the eighth spot. I thought that was going to be the guy that I was going to end up taking, and. I, just, I thought he was going to be there for me with that spot. And it didn't go that way, and that's fine. I got Pena, and I was thrilled with that because I had Pena one spot higher. But, again, I was so happy when I saw that you had him that high, too, because it, it made me feel better about my assessment. I actually – you it's funny you were saying you didn't want to have to decide between him and Riley Green. And in my head, I had I did already decided I'd rather have him than Green just for the speed, power, upside even though the he's so much further away, I personally was willing to take him over green. Never yeah, got that to was, me. That was the one draft RM2. That was the one draft that went chalk 
for my rankings because I was at eight. I actually was at seven, eight, and ten. And I knew that if the top six went to form, I mean the top five was pretty obvious. And I was like, the same guy was Nico was picking he was picking uh five and six. And I knew I'm like, as long as he takes Green or Carroll at six. I'm taking the other one and Acosta at seven, eight. And that's exactly what happened. He took green, which actually I wanted Carol anyways. So that worked out. And then I figured you'd take Pena and I'd get Rodriguez. So I kind of had that one mapped out and it went according to plan. But uh, the other ones I got him at like 11, 12, just cause I picked a little bit later and you know, that was fine too. He did go nine, 10 and a couple other drafts. So there's definitely people on him. There was a couple drafts where he went like in the twenties. So, there's somewhere he went later. Yeah, I was going to say, if he's got an ADP of 16 here, he must have gone later in some of these. What was his lowest? Do you have that available right 20. now? Yeah, 24. That's a lot too low for a 16 ADP. Yeah, whoever got him at 24, congratulations. You're going to be really happy here in a few months. <laughs> okay, well, we'll move on to number 17. That's George Kirby, the pitcher for the Seattle Mariners, 17.57 overall. He was taken 20th by Seattle last summer and really impressed in his first uh, bit of pro ball. 23 innings between shorts and short season ball. He had 25 strikeouts without a single walk issued. So you said Lodolo was not your first pitcher overall. Does that mean Kirby is it? Is your guy? Yeah, I like Kirby a little bit more. Uh, mostly just because of his double plus command, 70 grade control. Four-pitch mix, 20th pick overall by the Mariners uh, out of Elon. I just think he's a lock to start. I think he has a really high floor, and I think he has a sneaky ceiling. I, When I hear people talk about George Kirby and the things that I've read, it's very, very eerily similar to the things that I heard about Shane Bieber a couple years ago. And, you know, it's just like some of the – some of the floor, like the high floor type pitchers actually are the ones that you want because they wind up having a higher ceiling than you think. And I just think this could be one of those guys. A lot of, uh, a lot of the command guys just seem to be hitting a lot more lately, or maybe it's just me noticing it more, but I actually landed him in three leagues and I didn't even really plan on it. To be honest, I, I had him, I want to say in my rankings around like 15, 16, so like right at the end of the first round, early part of the second round. And I I wound up taking him 16, 19, and 20 in the three that I got him. So I'm happy. I mean, I, I think he's going to move pretty quick and should be a productive major league pitcher. We'll see, you know, how high his ceiling winds up being. But, yeah, I, I definitely like Kirby. Yeah, those – Pitchers like Kirby, who are pretty well polished, that are really good at you know controlling the strike zone, throwing some throwing strikes, they usually don't see a challenge till they get to the upper minors. So yeah, he should move right. real fast. Oh yeah. All right, number eighteen, Cody Hosey with the Dodgers, eighteenth overall in the ADP, and he was the Dodgers' first round pick. Uh, doesn't really. Like I said, with the Dodgers, they seem to turn everything into gold right now. Is Jose another one of these guys that you're high on, Andrew? Uh, I want to say I had him right around here, maybe a little bit lower. First round pick out of Tulane. Uh, they took him 25th overall. 
mature hitter, above average hit tool and power. I mean, he'll go as far as his bat takes him. He's average to above average pretty much across the board. Not really flashy, but a solid pick here. He actually went to high school minutes from where I live. So just small world. There's not a lot of those in my area. So definitely. uh, So had you heard of him then before the draft? Vaguely. Yeah, vaguely before the draft. But I found out more of it uh, not too, too long before that. So. Yeah, Hosey's fine. I mean, it's kind of similar to what I said with uh, with Josh Young and a little bit with Blade, where you know you take away any semblance of speed, which I don't think he's going to have, and you just he's just going to have to hit, you know, and that's going to carry him if he does, and he probably will. But if uh, if anything, if he runs into any issues with his hit tool or his power developing, his value could could drop. So just something to be aware of. Yeah, as I think about him, I think I could easily see that this being the type of guy the Dodgers trade in the next few years as they're trying to get something. They don't trade many guys, but it seems like this is the type of player they move. Yeah. Uh, Number number 19, Yoshi Tsutsugo, the outfielder, third base, first base guy for the Tampa Bay Rays, or who is the first Japanese player to make this list this year. Uh, he's slated to be a part of the Tampa Major League Baseball organization immediately. But Tampa doesn't like playing anyone regularly. So my question is, will Tzuzugo be able to get enough playing time to be fantasy relevant this year? Yeah, I think he will. Uh, high OBP guy, some field to hit, plus power, posted high X velocities in Japan, Played some third base, some outfield. He actually qualifies at both in most leagues. Uh, could you could give your fantasy team an immediate power bump. Though playing time in Tampa Bay, I mean, obviously they don't always go well together. He should play against righties, though, I would think. Uh, I actually grabbed Sitsugo in Rotomasters 3. And I hadn't really... I kind of went into that draft because my team's a little bit younger. It's a lot younger. And I have a pretty good minors. So, and it's a five outfielder, 20 team league. So, you know, it's hard to fill outfield in the, in leagues like that. And uh, I was just like, you know what? I have a really good minors. I need outfielders in the majors. And I'm comfortable taking Satsugo or the other guy who we'll get to. I was kind of hoping for one of them because I'm like, I could plug them right in. And I can still take other guys later on. I also had a couple picks higher than this. So I was able to get, uh, I think it was Acosta and Kirby in that draft. But yeah, I, I think a Satsu goal will be solid, especially in deeper formats, shallower formats, maybe not. But um, yeah, I think he could be interesting. I did get a share in our, uh, baseball 365 draft and hold that we're doing right now, and it's an OBP league, and we'll see how he works out. I honestly don't know. Just hoping to get he's at least on the strong side of a platoon. That's the I think the best you can hope for with Tampa these days. I don't think I don't think anybody plays regularly on that team other than Austin Meadows anymore. Right. He actually uh, in one of the leagues, and this one jumped off the page when I was filling these in. In one of the leagues. He went five ahead of, uh, 
ahead of Bobby Witt Jr. Man, he better be good if he's going to go five. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, it totally jumped off the page. I just figured I'd mention it. All right, number 20. We got Brett Beatty, the third baseman for the Mets, who went 12th overall last summer. Part of that may have something to do with the fact that he was already 19 and a half in terms of slipping to number 12. Andrew, we both have a share of Beatty. How high are you on him? Uh, I don't remember exactly where I had him ranked. I think I actually had him ranked a little bit lower than this. I don't know how it all played out. I think he went higher in a lot of the drafts that I wasn't in, but uh, definitely a guy who's value is tied to his bat a big obp guy last year in his pro debut in 51 games he only hit 234 but it came with a 368 obp so he takes his walks uh in his draft year he hit 620 for his high school team he hit 624 with 19 home runs in 93 at bats is that good yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, obviously, like you said, older for a prep bat. I mean, he's already 20. I believe he just turned 20 in the fall. Uh, can handle big velocity, tied to a corner infield spot, so obviously pressure on the bat. But I definitely think he's going to hit. Uh, should start at low A in, uh, in 2020. One thing I do know is I've heard multiple times Jim Callis say that he loves this guy. And Jim Callis is one of my favorite if not my absolute favorite prospect guys there is guy there is so when he says he likes a guy and he's a great hitter i tend to believe it so we'll uh we'll see what happens with Beatty. but jim carries a little more weight than opinions of some of these other some other guys and yeah i grabbed his share too really not i don't i didn't have a strong feeling about it so i was interested to hear that you had grabbed him and were at least intrigued by him a little bit okay well let's take a break here and when we get back we're gonna um go through 21 through 25 Okay, now we're going to start. I'm going to start reading these off in groups, and I'm just going to read 21 through 25 here. And Andrew, you can give me your thoughts on any of these guys. 21, we got Cameron Meisner, Meisner, whatever you say it, with the Miami Marlins. Uh, 22 is the other big Japanese import over from the overseas, and that would be Shogo Akiyama with the Cincinnati Reds. Alec Manoa, big pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays, is 23. Hudson Head. The outfielder for the San Diego Padres is 24, and Washington pitcher Jackson Rutledge is at 25. So, Andrew, as we go along here, I'm going to speak up when there's something specific I want to talk about, but why don't you just fly through your thoughts on any of these guys that you want to share, anyone you're higher or lower on than their ADPs here, by all means. Floor is yours. Uh, with Misner, I think he could be like a 2020 threat down the line. Uh, has a mature approach. Led the uh, led the NCAA Division One in walks before he broke his foot in 2018. Fantasy friendly skills. He just needs to hit. Uh, we'll get to Akiyama here in a second because he's obviously going to be playing this year in the majors. Manoa, real big 
built like a tank, 6'6", 270, huge fastball, gets swings and misses. Uh, my big thing with Manoa, I'm just not as high on him. I, I just – he needs to watch his weight and his body, keep his delivery all in sync and stuff. I just worry he could go to the bullpen, but he does have really good stuff. Hudson Head, five-tool potential. I actually might get to see him next year or this coming year because I think he's going to be in Fort Wayne. So I possibly could wind up seeing him. Had a huge, uh, huge year. He was kind of an unknown before uh, before last year, and then had a kind of flew up draft boards. I think the or the Padres drafted him in the third round. Had a huge, uh, huge year and for his high school team in San Antonio. And then Rutledge, Jackson Rutledge is a fun one. I mean, he's six eight, two fifty, huge fastball, a lot of downhill playing. Um, Needs to improve his control and command a little bit, but I think he has a lot of upside. Dominated in uh, his six low A starts to end the year. He has a, you know, it might be a lot to do with his size and like the moving parts, but I think a lot of Tyler Glass now when I think of Jackson Rutledge, like when Tyler Glass now was just starting out, you know, and I think if everything comes together, you never know. I mean, it, it, the profile there, has a lot to do or a, a lot of similarities in my opinion. What do you think of, uh, what do you think of Akiyama for this year? Any thoughts OBP, on him or? OBP guy who's in a very crowded situation in Tampa or Cincinnati kind of like Aki or, um, Sitsugo, but I think he's more likely to get regular. Like, I think he's more likely to play every day as compared to Sitsugo, just not quite as fantasy friendly tools, maybe a, 20 home run, 10 steal guy, maybe if we're fortunate, but also could be 15 home runs, 10 and five to 10 steals. But with a good OBP and pretty good lineup there in Cincinnati. So, yeah, I think he's all right. Um, really on this list, yeah, if you're needing a major league outfielder, I was definitely given consideration to him at the, around this point myself in one of my dynasty leagues. I didn't get him, but yeah, I don't have a problem with him around here. Yeah, I got him a little later than this in RM2 just because it was kind of the point where I was like, well, I kind of have to take him. I I don't know about the OBP thing. I think he's better in batting average, personally. But, yeah, run scored, batting average. I think he could chip in maybe double-digit steals. I don't know. I don't think he'll be great, but he. I do, think, I do agree with you that I think he's going to play more than Setsugo, or at least he's – uh, that would be my guess entering the season. It is a crowded outfield, though, so we'll kind of see how that plays out. Roster Resource does have him leading off at the moment for the Reds, so that's mm-hmm. that's definitely interesting. I mean, it's a good lineup. I like that you're seeing 2020 as a possibility out of Meisner. I, de- I think I got him in both of my dynasties. I know I got him in at least one of the two, maybe both of them, but you're right. Hit Tool's got to develop on him. And yeah. finally, the last thing I was going to say, Jackson Rutledge, you were saying intriguing skills there. You know, I also, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I, I get more intrigued with Washington national pitchers than I do others just because I don't know. They've had some interesting arms come through that system the last over, over the years. And yeah, Strasburg was a number one overall pick guy, but I don't know. I just, there've been guys that have come through the system that have intrigued me and he's, He's just another one of those that I, I, I find interesting. We'll just yeah. see what happens to him. 
Yeah, he's definitely interesting. If if five years from now Jackson Rutledge is the best pitcher taken here, I wouldn't be at all surprised. Not at all. Okay, well, let's do 26 through 30, and that would be Michael Toglia, first baseman for Colorado at 26. Matthew Allen, the pitcher for the Mets at 27. 28, uh, there's a tie here with Michael Bush, the infielder for the Dodgers. And tied with him was Daniel Espino, the pitcher for the Cincinnati, or Cleveland Indians. And then number 30 is Braden Shoemake, the shortstop for the Atlanta Braves. Um, a, lot of, a lot of names here who I kind of went back and forth on throughout the winter. Andrew, what are your thoughts on these guys? Uh, just starting with with Taglia, he's a he's a big guy, first round pick out of UCLA, six five two twenty six, definitely a first baseman. I mean, he that's where he's going to play. Uh, switch hitter, controls controls the strike zone, uh, pretty good uh, pretty good defender, plus defender at first, which is a little different than uh, a lot of what you see. I feel like it'll just all come down to how much he hits. Probably hits. So he should be fine. Um, Matthew Allen, I know a lot of guys are hot, really high on Matthew Allen. He was a third-round pick and compliments his heater with a nasty curveball, 70-grade curveball, 6'3", 210, solid frame for a, for a prep arm, should open in low A and has the ceiling of a number two starter. He actually went top 20 in four of the drafts. So there's definitely uh, definitely people out there that are high on him. Michael Bush, he's like a gap-to-gap hitter That's some people thought he had the best swing in the entire draft class. I, he's, he's a different one because he played first base and left field in college, and they drafted him as a second baseman. I, I don't really know where he's going to end up like defensively, but he can hit, and that's the most important thing. They'll wind up finding a spot for him at some point, or somebody will. Maybe not the Dodgers, but somebody will if if he can hit. So, uh, Spino, huge upside, a little bit smaller, so there's some risk. But, yeah, you can dream on him. I mean, turn it up to 99. He was the first high school player the Indians have promoted to Mahoning Valley, which is their short season affiliate, since Francisco Lindor in 2011. So, kind of tells you what they think of him. And Shoemake... Athletic, lanky infielder with plus speed. Not sure to stick it short, but some, you know, some think he's better suited to move to second or third base. Plus runner too with Shoemake. Any thoughts on any of these guys? Or yeah, I'll go on a couple of them here. Togley, I really thought he there at different times when I was planning for those late first round picks. He was a thought of a guy I thought would be one of them I was going to be taking at different points during the winter, and then I just kept moving them down as I kept reading more about him. Uh, Grant Levine, you know, it seems like he's already leapfrogged Grant Levine in terms of the guy that the Rockies hopefully are viewing as their first baseman of the future. Um, Espino, that's another one of those teams that I really take interest in, even more so than the Nats. I think the Indians have just continued their farm pushing these arms to the farm and making a lot of really good pitchers over the last decade to where, yeah, I have intrigue in Espino. I didn't get him anywhere, but he's definitely one that I find intriguing. Uh, shoot Bush. You were saying how they draft. He was a first base outfielder. They draft him as second baseman. And when I read about him, I'm like, okay, this guy seems like he's a guy that they would play as a shortstop side 
like not regularly, but love to have as a utility guy playing all the positions. I could, I like that's a guy I don't see the Dodgers moving just because they could see some value with him being a guy that they could just move around and put him wherever they have a need here in a few years. And Shoemaker didn't really have too much interest in as I was looking at drafts this winter and seeing some mocks and ranks. I thought, man, I just don't think I'm near as high on him as other people are. And, you know, seeing him here at 30 was much, much more around where I was at. Maybe even I was a little lower on him to where, but then some of the lists I was seeing where I was seeing him going in like the early second round of a 15 team league. I'm like, there is no way I'm investing him in that. I just, I don't see fantasy friendly when I was looking at him. I had Shoemaker, I think, lower than this, too. He actually went 12 in one of the drafts. Um, did you get any, let's see, out of these guys, 21 through 30, I got Akiyama in one league. I got Hudson Head in one league. And I got Michael Bush in one league. I didn't get too much of the, this group. But it's because I definitely took some guys that were a little lower that, you know, their ADPs wound up being lower. I just had them ranked higher. So, mm-hmm get to those in a minute but any of these guys you own any of them or um Meisner, like i said i think i have him in both leagues i did draft hudson head in one league and i've already moved him in a package deal so those were the guys from the list that i got so three shares yeah. out of these 10 cool and that's in my two leagues so not too much of a sample there okay 31 through 35 here we got bryson stott with the Phillies, uh, shortstop for the Phillies at 31. Keani Cavico with the Minnesota Twins shortstop is at 32. Hedbert Perez with the Milwaukee Birds outfielder, 33. Baron Laura, the outfielder for the Texas Rangers, is 34. And Quinn Priester, pitcher for the Pirates, is 35. And Andrew, I'll just let's start off with Hedbert Perez because I know you're a fan of him. So why don't you tell me what kind of player he is and why you're high on him? Yeah, I really, really like Hedbert Perez. I had him like 16 in my rankings, so I had him way higher than this. There was actually one of my drafts where I was sitting on the clock looking at George Kirby and Hedbert Perez, and I could not decide. And I wound up taking Kirby. I got, I did get Hedbert, though, in two leagues. Uh, really young. I mean, this is another one kind of on the same plane as Luis Rodriguez and Acosta and Pena, you know, a little bit less known right now, but I think it's more to do with those guys than it is to do with him. Contact and a plus runner. And I don't know if you've seen it, but there is a video out there of Hedbert Perez hitting absolute tanks out of Miller Park. He's just taking BP. I mean, this kid's 16 years old. He's still 16 right now. And this was when he signed. So he was probably, you know, newly 16 at that point and just hitting absolute bombs out of Miller Park. So it's pretty, uh, pretty cool to see. But yeah, I just think he's a guy that you can kind of dream on. And if things come together this year, his value could really take off. So definitely like him easily the most of the guys on this list. I did get Bryson Stott in one league. I think he has a solid floor and should be a productive major leaguer. And I don't know the other guys. I'm not, not real big on. I got a share of Hedbert and that's one I missed a ball on when we had our draft and you mentioned him after getting a share of him. I 
I was like, man, I don't even know who he is. But trusting your judgment, I did get him in my next draft. And so I have a share of him now, mostly just completely based off of your thoughts on him. But, um, yeah, you mentioned a lot of these other four. Cavico, man, I remember when I was reading up on that guy. I think he went 13th in the draft, something like that. I wrote pretty well thought of. And he had an epically terrible first run in pro ball and it's a yeah. small sample but my gosh it was rough if i recall right it he was i mean i don't i don't have the numbers in front of me but he struck out a ton to where yeah his stock really took a hit in the second half of last year yeah okay we'll move on 36 through 40 here we got will wilson the shortstop for the giants i will add he was drafted by the angels and then traded for the contract Oh, who, do you remember who that was? I was trying to remember earlier, and I still can't remember the name. That infielder that they tra- basically they traded the the Angels traded him to the Giants and tr- sent the prospect with him just to get him to take that contract. I totally forget. Why am I blanking? I don't know. It was a bad contract when they signed it, and it definitely didn't go well. It doesn't. Well, it, yeah, it doesn't yep. matter. Either way, Will Wilson's now a Giant, and then we got Gunnar Henderson, shortstop for the Orioles. Peyton Burdick with the Miami Marlins at 38. Blake Walston with the Arizona Diamondbacks at 39. And Quang Hyung Kim, pitcher for the Cardinals who came over from um, overseas at 40. I did grab two shares of Burdick, if I'm recalling right. I know I at least got one. Um, he He had a heck of a first summer in pro ball after going, I think, in the third round, if I'm remembering right. Andrew, do you think that there's anything there with him or anybody else on this list? Yeah, yeah. I think Burdick, uh, Burdick could be solid. I like Blake Walston. He's one of those uh, one of those pitchers that, I don't know, I have to, like with pitchers, I'm not typically interested in them. You know, I've said 10 staff forever and all that stuff, but... Uh, if the price is just non-existent, I mean, I got th- I got this guy in. I think I got him in a couple of drafts, and it was like the fourth, fifth, sixth round, maybe even later in one of them. I know I got him in, I think, two. But, yeah, six five lefty uh, out of high school. So, you know, he's a little ways away. He's 18. But, you know, projectable. He's tall, lanky. I uh, After he signed, he hit 96-97 on the gun. Plus curveball, average slider. I was looking at his tool grade or his pitch grades and his control stuff or grades on all of it, and it's actually really similar to Lodolo to me. I mean, he's farther away, obviously, but size, you know, grow into his body. Obviously, Lodolo a little bit bigger right now, but Walston, you know, a little bit of room to fill out, so. I don't know. I just think where he's at in this spot, it's like could be interesting, but nobody else really here. That I didn't get any of these other guys. So it's a good conversation to have because we've both talked about how we lower the value of pitchers. But if you're taking them, like you said, in the fifth, sixth round, that what yeah, we're saying is we don't invest heavily in pitchers. Not that you don't take them at all. If you get them for free, you see them on the wire or you get one of these guys in the middle of a round of a draft. Great. Cause if it works out, you paid nothing for them. It sucks a lot worse. If you're spending a very high pick in a first year player draft on a pitcher and you get burned by him. 
So yeah. Well, it kind of it kind of just goes to show you like what I said about Kirby and Hedberg. It's like I I hear things that I like about George Kirby, and I have him pretty close to where everybody else does. Mm-hmm. But I hear things I like about Hedbert, and I have him way higher than everybody else does. Mm-hmm. So that's the difference between the bat and the arm, and I'm going to do that every time that I get the vibe with the bat. If I miss on the arm, I miss on the arm. But if they fall into my lap, I'm going to take them. So. Yep. Okay. Well, for, we're going to go through these last ten as a whole here and then talk about anybody we want to talk about. Uh, Errol Vera, the shortstop for the Angels, 41. Reginald Preciado, I think that's how you say it. Shortstop for Padres, 42, 43. Aaron Schunk, S-C-H-U-N-K. I don't even know how to pronounce that. Colorado third baseman. Bryce Ball with Atlanta, first baseman, is 44. Shea Langliers, uh, catcher for the Braves, 45. Alexander Ramirez, the Mets outfielder, is at 46. Benjamin Bailey, outfielder for the White Sox, is 47. Ismail Mania. Man, I'm having fun with these. <laughs> uh, San Diego outfielder, 48. Brennan Malone, 49. The Pittsburgh pitcher. And 50 is Brenton Doyle, the outfielder for the Rockies. So who sticks out on this list to you? Uh, definitely we've had the conversations about Alexander Ramirez. Uh, he's just another guy like the other ones that we've mentioned that's a little bit less known and um, less people are kind of tuned into, I think, but I read one or two things saying that they thought he could be the next Christian Robinson. It's kind of a similar skill set. I mean, he's, he's raw, really raw, really athletic. And the hit tool is probably the biggest question, but he has big power and speed. And it's one of those things where if it comes together, it just, it could explode. So he really intrigues me. These other guys, I don't think I got too much of any of these other guys. I did get Ismail Mena, the Padres outfielder in one kind of a wiry center fielder, kind of like a Gregory Polanco type, I think body and skill set, maybe a little bit, but, uh, yeah, these other guys, I didn't, I didn't really get them. So, I was really focused on the uh, Hedbert and Alexander Ramirez. I had them much higher. I think I had Alexander Ramirez in like the late twenties. So I would have taken him like end of round two, early round three at worst. And I did see that there was two drafts on this sheet that Alexander Ramirez didn't even go drafted. It made me cringe when I was filling it out. So. If you're in, if you're in DL one or DL two, go pick out up Alexander Ramirez of the Mets, just as a flyer. I mean, <laughs> there, there definitely has to be somebody that on your team that is less interesting than he is. So that was another one I felt good about. I I fully planned on taking Ramirez. I had a pick in the late third round and was thinking, okay, I'm definitely getting him here. If he's still there, expected him to be there because there, like you said, there wasn't a ton of buzz about him, but just the things I read, interesting tool set. And I was like, I want to get this guy. And he went in the early third, I think. And you sent me a message. Hey, Ramirez is one of my guys. Make sure you get him in your other dynasty. And I again, kind of did a little fist bump, thinking fist pump thinking, yes, I was in on him. I, 
that's another one I've got up there. So good. And I did get them. I think I got them in the fourth or fifth round just because a couple of my other prospects I really like fell down to me in the third, fourth round. So I just pushed them back and took the chance and still got them. So, yeah. And the other thing I just, I just want to say this again, but it's like, just keep in mind when we talk about these really, really young kids, it's one of those things that if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And mm-hmm. you're just, you're just going to churn the last few prospects on your roster anyways. But if it does work out, you're going to have to pay way more for the, these guys. I mean, the, the super hot, super young, super high ceiling guys. I mean, how many times do we have to see it? Ronald Acuna, Vlad Jr., Fernando Tatis, Wander Franco, Marco Luciano. I mean, Christian Robinson. Just, Look at his value ha- now. It's just happening all the time. And if you don't get in on the ground floor with these guys, that's fine. That's that's your decision, but you're not going to get them because their value just shoots all the way to the top. And I just feel like if you miss on these guys, like what is the consequence of missing on Alexander Ramirez, a third, fourth round pick? I mean, who cares? I mean, if I'm going to just, if that's going to just give me one more shot at hitting the lotto, I'm doing it every time. And it just, you know, more people are catching on. I mean, it is starting to turn that way more and more and more each year. But I just feel like these are shots that you have to take because if they don't hit, I mean, in season, there's going to be prospects emerge, obviously, and you can pick guys up, but you just don't want to be the one, you don't want to be missing out on all of this young international talent when it's close to free. I mean, I wouldn't call a, first or a second round sub draft pick completely free, but anything beyond that is pretty much free. So just take, go with your guys. Don't worry at all about where other people have them ranked. I'll tell you right now, I think I saw maybe one, maybe one person that had Acosta and Rodriguez where I had them and I didn't care. I just didn't care because that's who I wanted that's what I was going with. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I mean, I'm going to, I'll live, you know, it's just, you just have to trust your research and ability to find these players in the end. I mean, ultimately that's what you have to do. That was something I told you whenever you brought up Ramirez to me, I said, I got to stop worrying about seeing where people have him ranked. Cause I told myself I can get him in another round when I really didn't know. Cause we're in our dra- early draft and, I wanted to get him. I just thought I could wait a little longer. And I made that mistake in Roto Masters 2, and I didn't get a share of him because of it. When I might have yeah. taken him before then. Yeah, in Roto Masters 1, which was the first one that I did, I was, I was picking in, I want to say, the middle of the second round. And I was fully planning on taking Hedbert Perez. And... Our buddy Brian Crump, he was picking like, I think at the top, like 16 or 17. And I was I was thinking, I'm getting him because I just had him higher than anybody that I had seen, you know. And uh, yeah, he took him. 
at like 17 and I almost fell out of my chair <laughs> and he took Alexander Ramirez in that draft too. So I was like, well, I mean, it's, we're definitely both being aggressive on him, but, uh, I luckily got him back the next draft, but yeah, it was, uh, it's just one of those things with those guys. I mean, you just can't worry that much about where they're ranked. You just kind of have to say, I'm comfortable with it here and kind of forget everything else. Yeah. You know, Justin Nolde asked us a question I was going to do at the very end of the show, but it kind of ties in here. So I'm just going to ask it now about his question was, why do we pass up on talent that's not that has been proven at the highest level of college and in competitive U.S. youth leagues to follow the lead on a Twitterverse about a 16 year old? And it kind of all ties together here in terms of exactly that. You just don't want to miss out on a lot of these guys that we've had so many of them the last few years as scouting's getting better and better overseas and we're seeing this stuff. I mean, I was just listing them off. Acuna, Eloy, Vlad Jr., Marco Luciano, Christian Robinson, Wander Franco. Now, I don't think any of those guys were first-round picks in first-year player drafts. Uh, am I wrong? Or I, actually, let me re- take that back. Luciano was going in the first round, but not many of them were. At least, Do you, were any of those other guys first-year player draft first rounders? Vlad Jr. I don't remember if he was. No, I don't think so. No, I mean, yeah, it's really uh, as far as that that question. I mean, it is case by case. I mean, I'm yes. not going to sit here and make it a blanket statement that you want a 16-year-old or 17-year-old international kid over a, a college bat. I mean, Andrew Vaughn is going to be awesome. And so, is Adley, Ru- so mm-hmm. is Adley Rutschman. Yeah. Uh, it's just it, it, really a lot of it, it comes down to value. Like I think of it in terms of, I know I mentioned this earlier, but of currency. It's like there's two, there's two ways that you're using your prospects in a dynasty league. One, you're waiting on them until they come up to, you know, contribute to your team. Or two, you're using them to supplement your roster, your major league roster through trades. So whoever has the most value or the guy that has, you know, whatever you want to call it, helium or whatever, those guys carry so much value in a trade. I mean, like, it's just through the roof sometimes. I, I still get amazed at what I see people get for really, really young guys that are a ways off. And you can – it's league-dependent and it's owner-dependent because there's some guys that won't touch those kids, but there's some that will. And if you find the ones that will – and that list is growing. I mean, you can you can get a lot. I I mentioned before, you know, with the with the guys that are close, it's like, and I've I feel like I've said this a million times, but with proximity, it's one of those things where if a guy is close to coming up, that's all fine and good. But if he isn't making a drastic improvement to your roster once he comes up, then what's the point? I mean, like. I, I think that my original point on that was when we at some point had talked about Willie Adamas and I mm-hmm. called it my, I called it my forever middle infielder because if 
a guy is your forever middle. And I'm not trying to rip Willie Adamas. It was just the conversation that we had at the time. I think Willie Adamas is fine major leaguer, you know, but it's just like if a guy is coming up and that's what he's going to be to your roster, that isn't worth waiting on. Like it's, it's better to wait on the super high upside guys, at least to me. And, you know, not everybody is going to agree with that, but I feel like if you're waiting on a guy that's just going to be a middle infielder, you can get a hot middle infielder off of the waiver wire uh-huh. and use and use him for a full season at, at points, you know, not all the time, but those guys pop up during the year. So yeah, superstar upside more often than not, or at least star upside and perceived value Give me that every time over everything else. You answered it pretty much how I was going to. I was going to say something like, like the case by case basis. You don't always take the international league guy with tools, but you also don't want to miss out on one of these tools up kids by taking some polished college bat who doesn't really have much upside. You win dynasty leagues by having stars or by getting guys with the tools to be stars that you can move. And the more shots you have at stars in the minors, the better. And yeah. you don't you don't have to hit on them all, but I'd rather have a bunch of high upside prospects than a bunch of floor upset uh, floor prospects who don't have upside because you're not going to win leagues with with those players. You're going to win leagues with the stars who bring the, have have tools and can give you a bunch of really exciting stats as compared to guys who are just okay. Worst thing you can yeah. be in a dynasty league is just okay. Yeah, I, and I don't, I don't mean to rip this trio and kind of mention it earlier, but it's like with Blade, with specifically with Blade, Josh Young, and Cody Hosey, those three. Mm-hmm. I don't see any speed, and I feel like in a best case scenario, if those guys are like good, well, maybe not a best case scenario because a best case scenario. Those guys are stars, and I get that. But they are 100% dependent on their bat because Blade is basically a corner outfielder and Young and Hosey are corner infielders. There's no, you know, the speed isn't there, so they just have to have the hit tool and power. And if they only have one of the two, it's just not very valuable. Like if you're, if you're only hitting and you're not hitting for a lot of power or you're only hitting for power and you're hitting 240, it it just, once you get to the majors, what is it doing? It, it just isn't that valuable. So that's what I'm constantly thinking about with every single one of these prospects. And those guys might end up being totally fine. I, I, they're just examples of what I kind of fade when it comes to prospects, we should probably get to Winder's question about the shortstops because it blends into this too. Yeah. That's our final question we got here. Chris Winder asks, um, how many shortstops are too many on one squad? So yep. Just carry on Andrew. Yeah, no. So, I mean, it just kind of ties into it, but, um, I've definitely mentioned before to him and, to others as well. I just, with positions in the minors, I don't care at all. I want the best prospect, period. I'm not even like thinking about their position until they're on the doorstep to the major leagues. There's a lot of reasons for that. One, 
I can trade them at any time. Two, if they fall apart, I could drop them. Three, they can move positions. There's a ton of guys that are athletic in the minor leagues that wind up moving off the position to second base if they're not quite athletic enough to handle short. Third base, same thing, really, if they've got the arm for it. Or outfield. All three of those, you see guys move all around. And I actually think, and this is going to get a chuckle out of plenty of listeners, I'm sure. But I actually think I looked, and in one of, I'm trying to pull it up, but in one of my dynasty leagues right now, of my 20 minor league slots, I have 13 shortstops. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So... And I forget which one it is. And that might not actually be accurate, but I remember at one point, it might have been a few months ago, but there hasn't been a lot of action since then, obviously, so I'm not sure. But I went to the wrong team, so I'm not going to look. But I remember counting at one point and having 13 out of 20 at some point. But like I said, I mean, four of those I'm probably going to drop, four of those I'm probably going to trade, and four of those are probably going to move off the position. So you just don't just do not worry about it at all because the bar, the other thing too, and I I meant to mention this, but the bar, when you go to the corner, like when you go to third base or you go to not so much second base, I guess, but outfield, stuff like that, the bar gets higher and higher and higher as far as what you have to do with the bat. I mean, when you go to first base, like take a guy like uh, Tristan Cassis, and I was talking to Lucas Beery about this about him yesterday. So it's just fresh in my mind, but like that guy, he's first base prospect for the Red Sox. I'm sure many people are familiar with that. He absolutely has to crush. And I think he can, I mean, he is in the minor leagues. He's been really good. And I think he has a good chance to do that when he gets to the majors, obviously Pete Alonso did it, but it's one of those things where if you don't do it, there's no value. The value's gone. I mean, because there's no speed, there's no defensive value, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. When you're dealing with a shortstop that is athletic and the bar isn't as high, like, you know, guys like even the guys in the major leagues that are shortstops, that are stars. I mean, if you take them off of that position and move them somewhere else, they're not quite as valuable, you know, because the bar Mm -hmm. goes up. I mean, look at the, look at how much fantasy production comes out of like the first base slot, you know, like those guys, the stud first baseman in the major leagues, they absolutely crush as opposed to, you know, some of the uh, shorts, like the middle infielders, but it's just, the values are just different on them. And uh, a lot of times the shortstops, when they start off and they're young as shortstops, they can move around so much that, yeah, I just do do not worry about that with positions. I'm going on too long, but it's just my uh, – definitely my opinion on that. You gave me enough time to go look at my Baseball 365 Daily Dynasty team because I knew I had a lot of shortstops and outfielders on that team. I just counted of my 20 minor league slots. I've got 16 shortstops and outfielders. Same thing. Yeah. It's kind of a I don't care about position. When that startup happened a year ago, I took 19 hitters and one pitcher and it's because I don't care about what position they're playing. I want the guys that I think are most likely to give value, get gain value. And that's why 
pitchers I steer away from mostly because there's just more risk with them. And especially in a startup, I'll take the bats. But yeah, worry about the position part later. You've got plenty of time. And they, Ryan Mountcastle came up as a shortstop. And since then, he's he, he moved to third base. He's played outfield. He's played first base. He still hasn't made the major leagues yet. He's probably going to be a first baseman. But just because they're a shortstop right now doesn't mean they're going to be a shortstop in two years. Uh, C.J. Abrams may be a center fielder, even though he was drafted as a shortstop and is perfectly capable of staying there. You just can't worry about that stuff. It'll play itself out. You can make trades and whenever the time comes because you're not going to be worrying about that for a while. Your, your stud shortstop that you have in your major leagues right now that you think, okay, he's blocked, your shortstop could get moved to second or third base in three or four right. years. Right. So, yeah, there's plenty of time to worry about all that stuff. Yep. Yeah, and, and some of the and some of the guys will fall apart too, like some of the minor leaguers. I mean, mm-hmm. that's all that's always going to be happening. And when they're at third base, and even more so first base, I'm always thinking like, if they're already there, mm-hmm. man, they they just have to have the bat. I remember thinking that last year with Malcolm Nunez, the mm-hmm. young uh, the young first base prospect for the Cardinals, who had tough year last year but the year before he crushed i believe it was the dominican summer league and he had like the highest he had like the highest wrc plus in the minors but all i remember thinking with him is you know everything you heard is he's already strictly tied to first base and all i'm thinking in my head is man he's 17 years old or 16 whatever and he's already tied to first base he absolutely has to crush all the way up the ladder. Whereas, you know, if you're a shortstop and you have speed to fall back on and some of that stuff, a little bit more athletic, there's just a lot, lot, lot less pressure on the bat. Okay. One last question I got for you. Uh, Closing this thing up. Is there anybody else that didn't make this list that you wanted to bring up or that cover it pretty well? Uh, was there anybody else? Let's see. I don't really think that there was too many that I really got much of. I did get a couple shares of, uh, George Feliz. He actually went undrafted in a lot of leagues, uh, young, really raw outfield prospect with the Mariners got some Victor Robles comps. So that was enough for me to be like, yeah, I'll take a late round flyer on that guy. But yeah, no, not too much. I do want to mention again, and I, I think I mentioned it at the top of the show, but a lot of there was a lot of guys that were available in these drafts that didn't qualify for this list. I know there was a question I had read at some point about Luis Matos. He didn't qualify because he played last year, you know, before he was on, he was with the giants before the signing period. Uh, Jared, Oliva Jared Oliva was another one who was available in several leagues. I know at least a couple of mine. Uh, so, you know, like Jared Oliva, just for example, he went 19th in RM one. He went 19th overall and Cody Hosey went 20. So for the purpose of this sheet, Cody Hosey is 19 and that's just how I did it all the way down. It was like the other guys weren't even taken. 
And like I said, the reason for that is just because the, the other guys in each draft are inconsistent. They're all different for every league. And I just didn't want it to throw off what I was doing with the ADP for just these guys. So I just left them out. But yeah, Jared Oliva, Luis Garcia, the shortstop prospects for the Reds, he was available in a couple of mine and taken fairly high. And there was a few other ones. I left off uh, Josh Lindblom because he's pitched in the major leagues before. So I just left him off. But uh, yeah, just uh, just wanted to kind of explain how I did that. So I think I said this story before, but Josh Lindblom is a guy that holds a special part, place yeah. in my heart. Yeah, you did. Because I threw yeah. a no-hitter on MLB, the show online with him once. <laughs> yeah, I remember you saying that. That's awesome. Nasty five-pitch pitcher. <laughs> yeah that's awesome oh the upper two the up and in two seamer just people couldn't hit it so okay well i think we just gave a lot of great info in there a good two pretty close to two hours we might be just over and hopefully that hopefully some guys still have some drafts left i know one guy made a comment that he's looking forward to this draft because andrew you were the reason that he got marco luciano last year and that's pretty cool to see here something like that because that was your guy you were pumping and you helped a guy gain him. Yeah, I I was really, really happy when I read that comment. I forget, was it Daniel somebody? I forget the last name. I apologize, but I was, yeah, that made me feel good. I definitely still have all the, all the Luciano. I haven't traded him once yet, so... We'll see how it goes, but definitely an awesome first year. I'm looking forward this year. I'm hoping out of these guys, I was thinking about it. I think I'm going to see Corbin Carroll. Uh, he's the air, the Diamondbacks low A is like not far from me at all. So I definitely should see him possibly Blade. and possibly Greg Jones too. I think he's, it's low A Midwest League, so you know basically half the teams are in the South Atlantic League and half of them are in the uh, Midwest League. So just thinking about guys who will be in like my area, I should be able to see a few of these guys, hopefully. Possibly Hudson Head, too. Yeah, I won't see any of anybody until they get to double A. That's double A Springfield. I live in Springfield, and... I'll get to see a lot of guys when they get up that high, but it's going to take a few years for most of these guys for me to be able to see them, or at least a year. Okay, well, next week we're going to get back. We still have one position left to close out with, and that's the starting pitchers. And Andrew and I, we're going to get that get that started next week. We may be able to get it all done next week. If not, we'll get it all done over the next two weeks. And we're getting real close to that. Andrew's got his two top 100 uh, prospects that's going to be coming out soon. That'll be fun. We're going to do a show. I'm going to try to do the same thing for some dynasty ranks that I haven't touched and I really need to get in there and touch up. But we still got some exciting things coming over the next couple weeks. And then right before the season starts, Andrew and I are going to do the same thing we did last year, have the big predictions podcast where we're going to give our predictions for some regular season stuff for real life. And then Make our fantasy predictions too. I can't. We're gonna have some fun over the course of this next month. Oh yeah, definitely, always fun. I do want to give a quick shout out to the people who helped 
send me all the um, all the draft results for each one of these leagues. I was able to get my hands on about half of them because I'm in a few of them, and one or two of them were just publicly available. But I want to thank you, Justin, for helping me out a little bit with your daily league. I actually. That. You can't even give me credit for that. That was Bob Rag because I was yeah, so busy Bob, dealing with stuff. <laughs> I was going to say Bob helped out with that. Uh, Steve Trapani sent me a couple. Jared Renfro sent me one. Ian Kahn sent me DL1. Tim McLeod sent me DL2. And then Dylan White sent me DL5. And I think DL3, he sent me part of DL3. So did Jeff Sweeney. And Mike Cangiano sent me... Uh, the copycat dynasty league, which was another one that was in it. And, um, Trapani also sent me DL four. So little, a lot of help from everybody. And, uh, I think people are going to enjoy the podcast and enjoy the spreadsheet. So looking forward to getting it out there. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I love this stuff, man. Like I absolutely love prospects and obviously just all of it, but the prospects to me, it's like, I feel like that's kind of my true passion. So it's a lot of fun to sit there and dive into these and spend an entire winter going over it. And as you're listening to this, as we're rounding up, be sure to go to baseball 365 and go find that spreadsheet and just give it a look. It's pretty beautiful. It's fun to look at and see all the guys with where they went, especially if you play in dynasty leagues, that thing's just a lot of fun to go look and see how these drafts went. Yeah, there was a, I had to assign a value to each undrafted player, and it was kind of complicated. I basically just went 20% over the last pick in the draft. But since the last pick was – there was different numbers across the board, so it was a little different for every league. But there was, I think, about 40 players that were drafted in every draft. I was looking at it last night, right around 40. And there was a total of 113 different first-year player draft guys that were drafted in at least one. So kind of gives you an idea, but I have every single guy on the sheet, even down to the guys that were drafted in one out of the 14 leagues. So, Yeah, good stuff. All right, well, we're going to get out of here. We're going to talk next week, pitchers, maybe even try to sneak in a podcast. Andrew and I are both in a – the, the draft and hold league for baseball 365. I can't promise when we're going to do that, but we may do a quick short podcast talking about how that's going so far too, if we can, but until then take care everybody. Yep. Yeah, take care guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year.